And we're talking about joy now. Uh, we are. Whether we're talking about the podcast or not, we're, you know, the struggles that we face are often the things that are killing our joy, you know, that we're, we're trying so hard to live up to our own human-made impression of what a Christian's supposed to be, mm-hmm. that we fail to live in the joy and victory that is already ours in Christ. So. I started that about halfway through your sentence. Oh, so well. You I know, hope everybody you enjoys that, and so, <laughs> now we'll try to flesh it out. Hey, we weren't talking about Pop-Tarts or pizza or anything else like yeah, that. Yeah, so nobody's going to listen now. We're slick. We are, we are the home of professional podcasts. Slick like butter. Yes. It's yes, the season of baking. So welcome to everybody who's joining us halfway through the sentence. <laughs> what do you think the first half said? <laughs> Let's play a game. Internet poll. <laughs> we should put out options. <laughs> a, B, C, or D. Uh, yes, welcome. We are in week three, thrice, okay. of uh, the Advent season. And this week we talked about joy, yes. which I feel like... Uh, is uh, not a word that a lot of people would use to describe this year, but... The joyless 2020? The joyless 2020. Yeah, I can't um, relate to that. Yeah? I wonder why. I'm overwhelmed with joy regularly. And that I is, don't love wearing a mask, but... I don't love wearing a mask. Uh, you know, Do you it know does not take my joy away. What doesn't bring me so much joy right now is, you know how there was like a toilet paper shortage at the beginning of this whole thing? Mm. Now there seems to be a paper towel shortage. Uh, it, it's crazy how so There's much of this of toilet paper, up and down. So. But whenever you go to Meyer, there ain't no paper towel. At least you don't have your pumpkin spice shortage anymore. That I know, I've moved on to peppermint. <laughs> but there's so, plenty of peppermint, thank but. you. Anyway... Uh, yeah, so I think that joy is not a word that would be used to describe this year for most people. So I think this week was especially important uh, in finding that joy mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, despite our circumstances. So we will talk about that today. Well, you know, as you, as you look at just kind of what was leading up to the advent, uh, the first coming of Christ in Bethlehem, and, and we're going to hear a lot in the next uh, week and a half here of... Christmas story and mm-hmm. and Luke two and, and Matthew two and and you know that's what Christmas is all about Charlie Brown which is always interesting to me how often people will watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special you know and all that and get it mm-hmm. and then go right back to the commercialized right. Christmas that right. Charlie Brown's talking about the whole thing even my dogs my own dogs but uh, as you're as you're working through this stuff. When we look at how the world developed and this joyless, especially if you if you look at like Genesis five and six, right? You're mm-hmm. working into the flood. It was joyless. I mean, everybody's chasing after happiness. Everybody's doing their own things. But uh, as God looked into the heart of man, all He saw was only evil all the time. That was mm-hmm. the inclination of our hearts was to do our thing instead of God's thing. And so while we had the, the temporal happiness that sin brings, because sin is fun for a season, right? But all of that left emptiness because we're separated mm-hmm. from the joy giver, just like we we're separated from the life giver. And so death became our lot when, when sin came in. So in the same way that um, the sin entering in Genesis 3 disrupted our peace, our harmony with God. It, it, it put us into a state of loss. It put us into a state of uh, um, being enslaved rather than being sovereigns over the, the affairs that God has, has placed us um, over. 
so when we look at how the world is created, God sets up this beautiful situation and he puts humanity in charge of it. We, we bear his image, we rule in his stead. And so there's this picture, not only of the, the peace and harmony and, and, and that sort of bliss that's there, but, but beyond that, we don't talk about this enough, I don't think, we have, um, we have a situation where we are at the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. you know, literally and figuratively, every way that you can come up with that phrase, we are... Uh, you know, we are put in place to rule on God's behalf. As his ambassadors then, we've been delegated the authority to be sovereign over the earth under his sovereignty, so a vassal sovereignty. And then when when, when sin enters, when we as a race sinned and fell, the curse now puts us at odds with God, at odds with creation, at odds with reality, but it also undermines our authority to rule. We forfeited that authority, that delegated authority, in sin. And so when we, uh, when we do our thing, we are still in dominion over the earth, but now it's a conflict. Rather than a peaceful dominion, uh, we, we rule uh, through struggle. And so eventually, when Christ returns and we... Uh, rule with him it'll be it will be only the church at that point you know when this is finished when all the judgments are done that which is outside of christ will no longer exist and everything will be in christ and we'll rule with him in that perfect harmony but christmas represents as christmas as we understand it as we celebrate it the advent the coming of christ not not any of the other twists and turns that christmas has taken but as we understand the the advent of Christ, the real joy that that represents is that we are no longer in this enslaved uh, position of loss mm-hmm. where we are now oppressed by sin and by the world, but we are in Christ victorious. And so we have been called to a victorious life. We can live. This is not in any way related to the prosperity teaching that is so prevalent today, but we have been called to ultimate victory in Christ, victory over sin and death. He conquered sin and death. And so we died with him. And that's what our baptism represents. We died with Christ and we were raised to a new life in him. So we now have victory, eternal, ultimate victory over all of these things. So then all the stuff, all the junk of this life is, this is just like, skirmish is going on in a battle that's already decided Mm -hmm. we've already won and all the rest of this is the you know the rebellion or fighting back of of a defeated enemy so the devil has even though he's still fighting he's still kicking he's already lost the outcome is already determined he knows that yeah and you know my brother wrote a devotion for our our, uh, church devotional booklet talking about the joy of victory and in there he said what if you knew the score was already determined it was already, the, the outcome was already settled. Wouldn't you actually be able to play the game differently? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel different, fight differently if you understand, I can't lose. Mm-hmm. This is already set. And that's where we are as Christ followers. If we are in Christ and Christ has already won the victory and God has given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, well then, 
shouldn't we be the most joy-filled people ever? Because we get it. Now, we can be we can be Christ followers and have that victory and still live as if we don't. And, and you know, that, what's we were, what, let me try this again with a new mouth. <clears throat> we were talking about that prior to the podcast. And we talked about it a couple weeks ago, too. Yeah, um, there, there's, there's, this, there's this freedom right. that we can have. But if we live as if we are still shackled, if we've been set free, we've been reconciled to God, God has kept his promise to conquer sin and death, to overcome the devil through Messiah, we recognize that. And God has given us the right, because we have received his son by faith, to be his children. So now we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved son. Mm -hmm. We are no longer in our own flesh, but we are in Christ. We have been placed in Christ. We are seated with him in the heavenly places. So with all of that, and the Holy Spirit indwelling us, marking us as a deposit to say this, there is no scenario where you cannot win mm -hmm. because you are in Christ. When we have that, God himself as a guarantee, then it doesn't make any sense for us to continue to live a fearful, you know, oh, you know, terrible 2020. I can't wait for this to be over. It's so miserable. That's not the life that makes sense for us. Can we still live that way and be safe? Sure we can. But why would you want to? I mean, that it, it's a matter of realizing, and, and it really is realizing the mental switch to say, it's really not about me. It's mm -hmm. not about how I feel. It's not about these circumstances. The God of the universe loved me in the midst of my wretchedness, in the midst of my rebellion against him, in the midst of my sin. He loved me and chose me and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die, who had no sin, in order to take mine. Mm -hmm. He became sin for me so that in him I am now the righteousness of God. Regardless of my failures, regardless of my past, regardless of my failures in the future even, I am in Christ and I have become, according to the words of 2 Corinthians 5.21, I have become the righteousness of God. That's who I am in Christ. And Christ, everything that was true of me, my, my wretchedness, my sinfulness, all my death, all of the badness, he took. Mm -hmm. He owns that. Mm -hmm. And he took it to the cross. And God's wrath fell on him because of my wretchedness. And everything that was true of me became true of Christ. Right. And everything that is eternally true of Christ has now become true of me. I think I told you once before I was reading this, and they have a podcast too, this Risen Motherhood book. Oh, yeah, you mentioned And they one of the lines in there that got to me was they said that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. Absolutely. And that's like a whoa moment. Like, right. I'm certainly not Jesus. <laughs> but to think about that and, and grasp that concept is is pretty amazing. It is. And, and, and I, overwhelming. That's the joy. That's mm -hmm. the overwhelming, abiding, transcendent joy that we have is regardless of the storm going on around us, I'm in Christ. Mm -hmm. When God looks at me, he sees Christ. Therefore, as a son of the king, as a daughter of the king, I have nothing to fear. I have nothing to dread. This glory that is his is now mine. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. 
Therefore, if he gave it to me without me earning it or deserving it, I can't unearn it. I can't blow it big enough. So the only logical way to live then is a life of gratitude and submission to him that is overwhelmingly, I, I, I don't think Christians should just be passively happy. You know, mm-hmm. we should be content. And yes, we should be content, but we should be just overflowing with this exuberant joy that, oh my gosh, can you believe what God chose to do for me? If he did this, all the rest of this is small. So the idea of a, a kid opening presents you know, around the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. It's an avocado. <laughs> that's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Even if it's an avocado. <laughs> it, it's a beautiful, powerful joy. The idea of a team celebrating after winning the Super Bowl is, you know, there's confetti in the air and everybody's going it's crazy. Going and you forget in the, in the midst of that joy, you forget the misery of the two-a-days in August. You forget right. the, all of the losses. That, that, you know, they say winning is the best deodorant in sports. It takes away all the stench of, of loss. I, dis- I disagree. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the sports metaphor does not carry into after the locker room. You still yep. got to take a shower. But anyway, as, as you look at that, all the winning makes everything go away. Paul compares that to a woman giving birth. Hmm. You're, you're in travail, you're in, and the earth is like that right now where it's in travail and birth pains waiting for the glory to be revealed but when a woman gives birth and you can speak to this more than i can directly i've been there i, hope so. I haven't been the woman but i, I have been present <laughs> i haven't been the numerous woman. times and all of the suffering all of the misery really just becomes unimportant when that baby is laid on you. And right. I've talked about that with people before. If if that weren't the case, people would not have why babies. Would, right. <laughs> right. You'd never have a second right. one for sure. Right. Right. And you'd never even have a first if right. you, if you saw someone. And certainly people in less developed countries where there isn't, you know, pain medication and whatever, they wouldn't keep having Absolutely. dozens of babies. Yeah. You the, know? <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Right. Where you're in, in a less developed situation or for right. thousands of years right. before Without this. Right. Without medical where attention. You're not on drugs. Right. You're not, you're not getting the good stuff, as they say in the sitcom. The maximum legal amount of drugs. <laughs> You're feeling all of right. this, right. and biting a stick in the woods right. is not exactly taking this away. Right. And yet, the joy instant, of the birth changes all of it. Ironically enough, one of the I don't want to talk about weird birth scenes, but uh, oh shoot, what's that movie? Dances a, with Wolves. No, I've never seen that actually. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's what I it's was a Christmas of, movie. So. Um, Oh, the, is it called The Chosen? Is that a Christmas movie? That's a show. That's a TV show right now, yeah. We watched it once at Real Life. The Nativity, the Nativity Story. Yeah, 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 duh. Anyway, I thought it was that was one fairly of, relatively graphic for a. a I, I thought the G-rated birth movie. scene in that was very good as far as depicting Mary's pain, and I think I watched that for the first time before I had a mm. child. But <laughs> and almost didn't. Right? <laughs> I was like, um, no. But the the minute, and obviously that's one of those situations that there was no. I mean, they were in a stable. Um, that's right. <laughs> but the minute, uh, even if you take away the fact that this is Jesus, mm. the minute after that child is born, she is overwhelmed with just there's no more pain you right. can tell i mean she's sweating and whatever but she she holds the baby and that all that's gone yeah um and then you realize it's jesus of course and so it's different but but that's i think the case with any woman different but really not well I right mean, from she's a still a mother and a, and a child right. Right, right right and you know you know we have five children and and uh, had the pain of losing a few in between um but my goodness every single time and and Shelly had varying degrees of 
medication depending on how things went in the right. hospital and so on. And just pain and struggle and, and stress, and it was immediate joy. Mm-hmm. It, it, the, as soon as uh, the baby's not been cleaned off yet, right. right? The doctor places the baby on her and and tears of joy. And my wife's not a crier. That's right. not who she is. But it's just... she you can't help it. And she really... I don't... I, honestly, I don't remember her ever crying from the pain of childbirth. Right, right. I remember her, you know, having a lot of pain. But that's just not her MO. But right. when the baby's there, the face is at least as intense, but it shifts mm-hmm. to joy. And, Immediately. And not to, you know, I don't I don't want to dwell on birthing the entire podcast, but there's 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 okay. something about that parallel process. that is really hard not to see. Right. 2020 has legitimate pain. I mean, mm-hmm. to deny that is foolish, right? There's I mean, even on our own, we have a, a, a prayer request board for, you know, members of our church or whatever, and it just seems like every day yeah. something horrible is happening in someone's life. And, and, and it's not all COVID. I mean, right, that's right. the thing. That's COVID a, kind of dominates the news and right. stuff. And we do have folks who's, we haven't had any any cases at church where, right. where folks, you know, where anybody's, re, you know, contracted. But or stuff like in that. people's families. But, and right, right, yeah. And so it's all around us. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of that, we still have people with cancer all the time. Right. We have people having seizures. We have people having surgeries. Having, having all sorts issues, of uh, of temporal mm-hmm. things, which sadly too often dominates our prayer life. Our prayer life needs to right. be elevated, not not to dismiss those things, but we need to be thinking about eternal things as Christ followers a little well, bit more. But well, when you see those things one after another, not only in our little circle here, but like if you turn on the news or you see other things on social media that people are going through, whatever, it does seem like, man, yeah. can we just deal with one more thing? It's just one, like the punches just keep coming in. And it, it, it right. does, it's hard to sometimes feel that joy when you feel like, oh my gosh, this, now this, now this, now this. It's, it is difficult sometimes. And if our faith is shallow mm-hmm. or if it's misplaced, if we put faith in religion or in the gathering of the body itself and not in Christ, then when we don't have those things or it doesn't turn out the way we expected, then it's really easy to fall away. And so we see people turn from the faith. And and one of the things that becomes ever more clear to me as I get older and the more times I, I look through the Scripture, the more I see that those who are turning away, they're turning away because they did not have their roots in Christ. They're not in Him. And the reason, I'm not talking about temporary doubts. That's a whole other thing that, that most people deal with at various points, including myself. I've dealt with that many times over the years. And not so much as a pastor, but but prior to that. Mm-hmm. But but as I would hope, contrary to a popular song on the radio, I, I would hope that by the time you are ministering in the pulpit, you have come to grips with that, that you've wrestled with those doubts and come to grips with that. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't struggle at times, but I think... Sometimes we embrace, we were talking about this too, sometimes we embrace the struggle in an unhealthy way Mm. where we become hooked on it. We become hooked on the doubt. We become hooked on the struggle like an addict. We become uh, so comfortable in what we hate that it dominates us. And that happens among clergy as well. Anyway, so as, as we're talking about this idea of turning from the faith, it's often because the joy we expected didn't come about. The right. peace we were looking for, we didn't find. And the reason we didn't find it, the reason it didn't come about, is because we were looking 
in the trappings of Christ rather than in Christ himself. And so when we find um, peace, because we went to church, hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I, I went to church, <laughs> oh, pastor, I really, your sermon spoke to me and I felt this overwhelming peace. Did you? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it because the content connected with you or was, was it the because same piece you feel when you watch a Hallmark movie right was it because I I felt passionate about what I was saying right. and so that emotion the the um, mm-hmm. you know this uh, pathos connected with you because that's going to always be short-lived that's going to be shallow but if the sermon if the content if the word of God connected with you then when that moment passes and those feelings go away and I recognize wait a minute I actually have victory in Jesus Christ. I don't have to go out and earn this. I don't have to feel it. I don't have to perceive it. I know it. It's in God's word. And the Holy Spirit confirms that God's word is true in my heart. Now, I still feel lousy, but I don't have to. And I reject that. I will not tolerate that. So I'm going to I'm going to act as if God's word is true, even when I don't perceive or feel like God's word is true, knowing that it is, Mm -hmm. so that eventually my thoughts and my experience begin to line up with that truth, with that reality. And then the trailer, not the tractor, then the feelings follow. They come along later. When I discipline myself to think true thoughts, then I begin to experience feelings that match actual eternal reality. And that's, that's where we get past the joy that we expect in our humanness to the joy that's actually promised and delivered in Christ. That's, uh, <laughs> like most things we talk about on here, that's, that can be easier said than done. <laughs> well, for sure. But. Well, and I guess that's one of the things that, that we get confused in in. If I can say modern Christianity, you know I have a tendency to shy away from the term Christianity because it it portrays us as a religion, and that's not what we're talking about. Christianity is not a religion. It is a following of a person. It's not a set of beliefs that we adhere to and we mentally assent to and we work our way toward God. It is a relationship with the reality of Jesus Christ. And, and everything we focus on uh, in, at Real Life Community Church, everything we f- want to focus on in this podcast, hinges on reality. It's a reasonable faith, not that our faith is driven by human reason, but we recognize that actual reason, logical uh, continuation of thought, is at the root of our faith because God designed it to be so. So when we are aligned, when our thoughts are aligned with reality, then our experience comes in line with that reality mm-hmm. and our feelings will follow. Uh, I forgot what started this when I went off on that little tangent there. We were talking you, about childbirth. <laughs> no, 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 you said something just now. That, I said it wasn't, it's not as easy. It's, it's easier not as easy. And so that's where we get hooked hooked into this. And I think this is why the the seeker-driven churches that are so popular, the, you know, we, we call them mega churches based on their size, but but mega church has, has a connotation, a specific cultural vibe to it. And I think without knowing it, we kind of hit on the reality that that it's about the culture and the content more than it's about the size. I I don't know that we are thinking that that through. And that might not be fair for every, you know, 
megachurch. Sure, because if, if a megachurch right. is a church over a thousand people, which a lot right. of people would call right. it, okay, well, there are a lot of different kinds of, you know, you can have a fundamentalist church, right. you can have right. a, you know, a Catholic parish, depending on where you, you live, you can have any number of different things that don't fit into that, mm-hmm. that idea of a megachurch. But when we talk about a megachurch, most of us think, whether, whether consciously or unconsciously, we think of a picture of like Hillsong, right. you know, Hillsong, New York with Carl Lentz and Justin Bieber, or formerly Carl Lentz, and he's not there. Justin now. Bieber. And uh, yeah, it's, he's a big Hillsong guy. Uh, or, 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 you know, we think of Joel Osteen's church. We mm-hmm. think of, of these churches that are, uh, you've got your your cool hip pastor a lot of the time. Not that Joel Osteen's a cool hip pastor, but but you get, you know, these... You're Stephen Furtick. Yeah, you get, <laughs> yeah, Stephen, you get the bro pastor, you know, like that. And I'm Furtick not, fuel. I'm not trying to, to knock anybody in particular. Right. I'm just saying these pictures create a youth conference vibe right. that that attracts the flesh. I, I, I want this because... It's up, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I get in here and I get pumped, and I, you know, it's got this rocking music and the great show and the very cool pastor and all this kind of stuff, and 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 you can see that even in, in more conservative settings where you have a fire and brimstone preacher and people are drawn to that because of the passion. And I just really, if there are any pastors listening or, or ministers listening, which I doubt, but if you are, I, I just want to. In the UK. I want, in, in the UK, <laughs> Specifically our, our, in the UK. our primary fan base. I, I want to make sure that I'm very clear about this. The the pathos of your sermon, the the passion and the energy and the, the, uh, the style that comes through this is always going to in its nature appeal to the flesh and there that's not to be ignored because we need to be real if i actually believe the things that i'm reading in the scripture then the logical flow of that is emotional response right Mm -hmm. that's it's going to happen when i see just as paul does in his writing like Oh my gosh, I can't I can't believe this. Wretched man that I am, but Christ has saved me and and the 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 culmination of of Romans chapter 8 comes not just from the things that he says in Romans 8. There's no condemnation in Christ and and we're more than conquerors. That flows logically from where he was in chapter 6 and 7. We're dead in our sin, but we're alive in Christ. But I'm still struggling. Even as the writer of Scripture, as the Apostle Paul, I'm still struggling. I keep failing and doing the things I know are wrong and not doing the things I know are right. What am I going to do? Who's going to rescue me from this body that's very nature is death? Praise be to God. He gives us, as he says in First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, our memory verse for the week, God gives us the victory. Christ won the victory. He gifts it to us. He gives us Christ's full victory. How can we not be overwhelmed? How can we not, if a kid can get that excited about an avocado, how can we not be overwhelmed by the unspeakable joy Mm -hmm. of knowing that God has chosen to give me the victory Christ won? Even though I'm horrible. Like, I'm a horrible human being. I am the very thing he had to (laughs) defeat. I am, in my flesh, sin and death. And Mm -hmm. so I am the criminal. I am not the victim. I'm the criminal. And Christ came and rescued me from that life and changed everything about who I am 
before the the before anything changed about my behaviors or my thoughts or my desires, he came and he changed it. And that powerful thing, we want it to be easy. We want mm-hmm. it to feel like it's always the mountaintop, like it's always the youth conference concert setting. And I've been to a lot of youth conferences. I've been to a lot of settings that are like that. Even you know, going to Promise Keepers back in the '90s, you got seventy-two thousand men at the Detroit was at the Silverdome back then, and we're all singing praise to God. That in itself is a powerful thing. It feels awesome, but. What made it powerful, what made it meaningful was more than the experience of the emotion in the moment. But when you encounter speakers who are sharing their struggles, Mm -hmm. going through the Word of God, what does the Word of God say to men about how to to live? It's the opposite of, of this toxic masculinity concept, which is so grown and expanded that there is a toxic masculinity, but that's not actual masculinity. Same with feminism. Absolutely. (laughs) There is without question toxic femininity. Nobody talks about that. Anyway, how, how do you live as a man before God? How do you lead your family? How do you function in your church? And so much of that had to do with there's struggle. There's discipline. You have to stop being a child and start being a man. But that's not easy. We want easy. The gospel is simple. Mm -hmm. And from its very inception, there was nothing easy about Christ's road to the cross. Mm -hmm. Not one single part of that was easy. Even before, if we look through the gospels to the happy times that people put on television shows, there was a constant tension Mm -hmm. between him speaking the truth bringing light into the world and the people of darkness being offended by that light. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that, you know, we, we often will look at it and think, oh, well, good people responded and bad people didn't. No, we're all bad people. All of us, we can be good by human standards, but that doesn't match up with God's standard. So when Christ came, there was nothing easy about his walk, mm-hmm. walking through life. It's not what we kind of think like, well, Jesus was... You know, he was Jesus, right? So it was different. It's not quite the same as us. He didn't have to go through the same struggles. Jesus never wrestled with his temper or getting fed up with people. I can state unequivocally, yes, he did. He was tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. So Jesus was tempted however you want to look at sin. Take Paul's list. He was tempted toward those things because of his human nature. And he resisted those things according to his divine nature. The divine nature of God has been put into us as we are in him. Because we are in Christ, because Christ died for us and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we can resist sin. We still don't. We still struggle. But it's not like we just you know, walk around and say, well, I got the Holy Spirit, so nothing bothers right, me anymore. Right. And it wasn't like that for Jesus either. Jesus had to remind himself, because he was fully human, this is wrong, this is right. This is what God's word says. This is what my flesh is telling me. This is what God's word says. This is what the world is telling me. Jesus also felt feelings. He felt feelings. He He was sad. He He was happy. He made choices. And you don't think his closest friends, the 12 who kept not getting it, got on his nerves sometimes? And yet, a bunch of men, yeah. No, right, exactly. Uh, I've hung out with a bunch of men. I, I get it. We get on our well, own I didn't nerves. didn't smell great. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the 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 easy thing we need we have to kill that. Mm. That is a terrible thought. There is nothing, and and I, I I'm going to say nothing, with absolute certainty, and I would defy anybody to show me something that that changes this. There is nothing worth having, nothing of lasting gravity that comes easy, mm. not anything. So when we're talking about our salvation, it is simple in that Christ has paid the price. We simply have to believe. But if we think that believing is easy, we don't know what believing is. I'm going to close with a, a children's book that I've been reading to my child every night. It's called Waiting is Not Easy. Ooh, I like it. And the it sounds very spiritual. The, the gist of it is this one character has a surprise for the other character. But the guy has to wait for it and wait for it. And he goes through all these ups and downs of, I'm not going to wait anymore. I don't think your surprise is worth it. And mm. da, 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 da. But he keeps waiting and waiting. And then he, he, he yells at the guy. He's like, we've been waiting all day and now it's dark out. We've, we've wasted the whole day and, and waited. And for what? And the other character goes, for that. And he points up and there's just this beautiful sky full of stars. Mm. And so he waited, had to wait all day for it to become nighttime to get this surprise. Mm. And then the character that had gotten frustrated said, tomorrow morning I'm going to show you the sunrise. And the guy goes, I can't wait. <laughs> so, you know, right. it's, it's hard. And you go through these emotions of, you know, okay, I'll wait. I'll be patient. And, oh, I'm not going to do this. Or it's very hard. But it is worth it. It's, yeah. it's worth the wait. And yeah, the spiritual I think, application there is profound. Well I think done. that we've, uh, whether we've become lazier as a society due to technology doing everything for mm. us, or we just expect everything instantly, or well, I, I know I'm guilty of that. If a website doesn't load in three seconds, I'm done. Um, yeah. But it's, it's I want to say, and maybe this is just me growing up in this generation, I feel like it may be even harder to be patient these days, hmm. and, but and even harder to want to work for something yeah. because I'm so used to everything being easier than it was for my parents or my grandparents or whatever. Oh, my goodness, that's whatever. so true, yeah. So Education. We have more right, education right. than ever, but we've also made it easier than it's ever been before. Right. So the, my niece and nephews don't know how to write in cursive. I'm not saying that that's easier or harder one way or another, but... But we used to have to work for things. Right. You know, and Like so that's something you have to we take were, your time. And, we were and, taught certain things, and, and obviously there's a trade-off. You know, right, we're, right. We're limited in the amount of time that we teach things. But, but just in the accessibility of education, mm -hmm. in the making it easy, mm -hmm. we have taken away some of the value. Right. It, it, when, when it was... Very difficult, and very few people received a high school education, let right. alone a right. college education. When you had to work, and parents had to scrimp and save, and you had to sacrifice, and it was hard. We don't have that anymore. Right. And so there is a broad base, there's a broad floor to our education. We have more literacy than we've ever had. But the, the wherewithal of developing character in the process of gaining education is greatly diminished. Mm -hmm. We don't overcome obstacles the way we used to. Writing today, and as a writer, I'm sure you can see this, it, it, I'm overwhelmed regularly by the constant devolving quality of writing. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I've mentioned this before. and I, you know, Not mine. <laughs> I, I've mentioned this before, and I'll, you know, I'll say it here on the podcast. I am exceedingly disappointed 
with the 2011, the, the current edition of the uh, New International Version. Just on the English part, not, not as much on the, on the translation, but on the English, there is poor punctuation and grammar in, in so many places. I look at it and I'm like, okay, I get it that you, you want to be colloquial, right? That's the nature of translation. But we don't have to have bad grammar. You know, we don't want the, the, it's making it easier. The Ebonics for Bible, if you right. remember, you probably don't, but that, that movement uh, when, when you were very small, this was a, a, a thing that was being pushed um, that was, and the idea behind, well, I don't want to get into a whole lot of that stuff, but, but this idea of, of actually teaching street slang hmm. in schools, that, that's not education. That, yeah. that, that's not helping anybody get forward. It was wokeness before there was a woke movement as we, as we see today. And, and it was mostly rejected by those uh, for whom it was purportedly right. promoted. Right. Uh, and they said, why would I want? I don't have to teach this stuff. It's not like you don't have to t- send kids to school to learn how to play video games. Right. They're going to do that. I didn't learn how to use computers at school. I learned on at home because we had a IBM computer when I was in you know seventh grade, and I learned on that, and I learned how to type on that. I learned how to type in school. <laughs> but hi, Mr. Neville. Um, <laughs> but uh, I learned to type on a typewriter. Yeah, well, in I wasn't going to go there. You aged yourself there. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, before Hello, we get Mrs. Rogers, before we get but, too off track, no, but but that's a good place to wrap up. As you said, that that there is it's. We have a hard time waiting. Right. We have a hard time paying a price. We have a hard time working. We have a hard time believing that that there is a worthwhile work of discipline that right. does not undo grace. Right. We don't work for our salvation. We don't earn grace. We don't obviously that's antithetical. We don't earn God's favor, but because we have received it, we joyously then participate with him. Hmm. And the discipline that goes along with maturity and growth cannot ever be substituted. We can't, we can't replace that. We can't take it away. So the idea that this isn't easy, yeah, that's right. It's not. And it's not supposed to be. It's the hard, if you will, that makes it great. I've never so. heard that before. Go watch A League of Their Own if you never heard that one. Uh, we will wrap up there today. We didn't go too far over today. Yeah. We've been worse. We've been worse. Uh, so, yeah, uh, if you haven't checked out the sermon Which, yet, by the way, was my nickname in high school. So. <laughs> I've been worse. <laughs> uh, check out the sermon on our live stream or on, the, or on our Facebook page uh, from this past Sunday. Or check out the podcast for that if you haven't yet. That could be our new motto for the podcast. We've been worse. <laughs> I've, I've heard worse. Uh, <laughs> that's the 2021 That's motto. right. Um, I'll have to get you another shirt. Uh, <laughs> or, uh, well, I don't even know what I was going to say. Yeah, check out the sermon from this last week um, if you haven't yet. Uh, you I probably should stop should, interrupting you. You should probably listen to that before you listen to this. Right. So I probably should have said that at the beginning of this. Anyway, surprise. 269-756-RLCC. Uh, six, six, or something That was real. where I interrupted her last time, I think. There you go. Uh, that's our phone number if you want to leave us a voicemail. Or you can email us at somethingreallifeonline.org or leave us a comment or message on Facebook or YouTube. Mm-hmm. Still waiting for a carrier pigeon. There are only two weeks left of the year, so let's make that happen. All right, and thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time.